Welcome back, f- folks, to the Mel Wright Show. This is episode 235. We've got a really great special guest on the show t- for this episode, and I've been looking forward to having an in-depth discussion with him, and that's Carl Walmer. Um, he's a really experienced East Coast-based agent, and he's got a fascinating life story, which I feel is very relevant in today today in these strange times that we're all living in. So, Cole, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan and Robert, for having me on the show. I'm grateful to be here in this time of crisis, right, as we're all spending more time working from home with our families and finding ways to to try to advance, right, to try to um, be productive to try to have a routine. I'm grateful to share some takeaways, things that I've been using with my teams um, to, to do just that. So quick background, I'm um, mid-30s from upstate New York. I run a, a luxury brokerage team with Engel and Volkers, um, uh, focusing on the high-end uh, vacation resort homes and executive homes, um, mostly over seven figures. Um, I've been in the business for six years as an agent, also have other um, somewhat related businesses in investment, hospitality development, and multimedia now. Um, so kind of view myself as a real estate and lifestyle entrepreneur and diversified and uh, done that intentionally to also weather storms like this. I, I was fortunate to not be in the business during the Great Recession 10 years ago, but this is starting to feel like many veterans and mentors that I know that went through that. This is starting to feel a little bit like that. Obviously, each downturn is unique and different, but I'm excited to get into the weeds on how we best equip and arm ourselves, right? With the mindset with the tools and with the activities that can position us to come out of this stronger. Yeah. And I've got my great co-host, Robert Newman. He's hammering away at the keyboard. Robert, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners of yours? Hey, I'd love to. Uh, and uh, introduce myself to Kier. Kier, I've, I've heard your name mentioned around the campfire, my brother. Um, but uh, so I'm Robert Newman. I'm the founder of Inbound REM, which is a, a blog that tells you how to do Real estate online marketing. Take it away, John. So, Keir, um, because of your background, um, I just want to tell the listeners and viewers, um, Keir um, has had some real ups and downs in his career. Unfortunately, um, he had a, a brush with the law where he was involved in a road accident, and unfortunately, um, he was over the limit. And you suffered some great personal consequences for that decision which you openly admit was a very bad decision at the time and it did I think it did it result in a death did it or it did yeah my I lost a friend of mine in college due to an alcohol related boat accident when I was 23 and I was the driver um it's probably the worst possible result of an innocent or what you thought was an innocent night of having fun with friends right turned tragic pretty instantly I ended up actually serving three and a half years in in prison and my whole 20s were consumed with, you know, trying to respond and react and yeah. do something positive, right, with my life after all the aftermath of what happened from the courts to the time to getting out, being on parole to, you know, I'm 29, almost 30, living in my parents' basement, broke, no money, no prospects, couldn't get a job, no license, curfew, you name it, just feeling down and out to finding a way to, you know, start to live and and intentionally design a new life, one, you know, based on purpose and contribution and, and seeking redemption and 
realizing that I had to be an entrepreneur and really create my own path because nobody was going to give me anything, yeah. right? I wasn't entitled to anything, certainly. And, you know, I couldn't rely on other people to, to give me opportunities. I had to create my own. So that's kind of why I got into real estate. Yeah, and we've all made bad choices and bad mistakes in our 20s. You know, it's not making an excuse for what happened. And I don't think you make excuses, yeah. but we can also be very hypocritical of other people when it comes to, um, the, you know, judging other people for their mistakes. Because we've, re- the reality is we've all been there, haven't we? So I thought you were an excellent opportunity to discuss with you. So how... You know, there's a lot of agents, and you've just said you're one of them, that mm. ha- haven't been practicing in a real bad downturn. But um, based on your life experiences, you're a bit of a fighter. So um, how would you cope with a slight, you know, that looks like it's probably going to be a slightly down market, maybe for the whole year, but sure. none of us really know, do we? We don't. And I think that's important too, is realizing that, right, nobody has a crystal ball and we can't put a ton of weight into all the pundits and pontification out there. So I really like to counsel people that are in my network to only spend a certain amount of time getting just the headlines and what you need from the news and then be focused on building your, your, your life, right? Because there's a lot of negativity out there. It's really easy to go down the rabbit hole, right? It's really easy to go into doomsday scenarios or something like this. And that takes us away from the activities at hand that we can be doing right now to actually, again, get ahead. So I think right now there's a couple of things that I would say are really important to focus on. First thing I mentioned earlier is managing your mindset, right? By that, I mean putting the right ideas, the right energies, the right things into your mind and your life right now so that you can stay focused on the future and stay positive. Because as soon as we do the other thing, right, and we start to shift toward that other mindset, the one of scarcity, fear, and anxiety, what does that do, right? It closes our world down, right? It gets us thinking about things that we shouldn't, that don't advance and support our goals and our vision. So I think managing our mindset, meaning listening to the right podcasts like this one, reading the right books, only getting the headlines and the news that you need, and trying to really stay social in a time of social distancing. So that means using technology like Zoom, right? To have, we just had a, um, a get together with my high school friends, you know, eight of us the other day for an hour. And it was great. We had the kids come in, you know, spouses, we're all catching up. And that was really good for the psyche, right? And the mindset. So not just in a business sense, it's important to stay connected to your teams and your clients now. We'll talk about that later using video technology, mainly like this Skype or FaceTime. Um, but it's important to do that socially, right? With your friends, your family members, and your relatives. So that that's step one. Step two, I would say, is spending time now to identify the need to work on the business, right? Not just in it. Because right now, we're a little bit constrained on how much we can work in it. So depending on where your listeners are, in many states in the U.S. right now, our hands are tied by state regulators, work-from-home requirements. And in New York State, we literally can't do any showings or open houses. So we necessarily have to work on the business, not in it as much. We can still virtually show things, meet with sellers and buyer prospects, but as you can imagine, the, the trade of our contact sport of real estate is severely curtailed right now. So now would be a good time to be focused on what systems and processes, right? What technology, what backend um, frameworks, and what other things you can do that you've been meaning to do for probably months, if not years. What can you install in your business now while this starts to flatten out and this curve, you know, we can get ahead of this curve in the coming weeks and months. So I would say 
That is step two. And then step three is planning for the next chapter, planning for possibly a change market, planning for how do you adapt your practice and your focus to be in a, a better position, not the best, but in a better position than maybe some other people that are planning. By that, I mean, for me, if we're focused just on the high end, right, luxury property, seven-figure sales, those are the first properties to go in terms of demand and often the last to recover, right? You look at what happened in the Great Recession. These are luxury goods, right? They're not necessary. So when people's portfolio and confidence takes a hit in the high end, so do their buying patterns, right? So for us, it's good that we diversified earlier than now and are also focused on primary home sales, right? First homes, move-up homes, executive homes in suburb, uh, suburbs where the days on market is significantly lower and they're more of um, they have more what I would call inelastic demand, meaning people still need to move. So those uh, are the ways just, I would break that down. Just before I hand it over to Robert, the only thing, don't take me, I, I agree with almost everything you said. The only thing about the last bit is, um, but it was a couple of years ago because my, the podcast has been going for about three years, right? And I think about a year, a year, a year and a half ago. I was speaking to, um, he came on the show and it was a very high class interior designer mm-hmm. based um, in Miami. Um, okay. And he dealt with the top echelon of, of people buying property in Florida, you know, the, yeah. the, the international crowd. And I was, he was discussing the downturn and he said that his own business, he went dead for about six months, but then he had the super wealthy entering the market and they were just buying property left, right and center because the prices had semi collapsed and they just saw it as a fantastic opportunity to to build their portfolio with prices which they probably weren't going to see in a generation. So what do you that's feel a, about that as well? That's a good point, Jonathan. And I think that, that we we did see that and we will see that again, but that's a little further off than just the immediate term, right? Meaning yeah. prices haven't corrected and crashed in the real estate market. So we're still too early to really know how that's going to shake out and the impact it will have on the housing market. But your point is correct. If we do go into a protracted recession, you will see prices come down as sellers need to move properties. You will see some distress come, right? And you will see buying opportunities for the smart money, right? That comes in even in the high end to your point. So I do agree with that. I just think we're not there yet. Yeah, I agree. Over to you, Robert. So you mentioned, um, Care, like you're talking about an action plan while you're at home. And uh, technology is definitely my bailiwick. And uh, I could list like off the top of my head, 30 things that an agent probably should do that they're not usually doing. Yeah. So, but I'm curious to know, I'm on your website on the other screen, and I'm curious to know what you specifically look at as a digital opportunity that maybe you weren't able to tackle because it looks like you're usually pretty busy. So what's on your list? Sure. Um, I think right now, we're trying to, and we're rolling out this week, more of a content strategy focused on adding value and educating as it relates to COVID and what that means for the housing market, right? For buyers and sellers, because people still don't know. And that's why we're talking about that right now too. Um, It's being a thought leader, somebody who's out in front talking about the tough things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who can uh, lead the conversation, not react to it. Um, And third is, adapting the way we do business day to day by using technologies like this, right? So doing FaceTime tours 
right? Doing uh, virtual Matterport showings with 3D technology like we already do for out-of-state buyers. Um, conducting listing presentations even remotely by Zoom like this. Educating people on how to connect face-to-face, which is the next best thing if you can't do it in person. So I think those things, adapting our content strategy, staying front and center as a thought leader in the conversation, directing and not reacting to it. And then third, finding ways to still do our business while being safe and abiding by CDC and other government regulations on COVID precautions. Those are the priorities and the things that we're working on. And then the second part of your question, we're looking at new ways to also implement technology that might help us um, better do our business too. But we're very tech forward to your point. I mean, we use a whole tech stack in all areas from backend processing to um, you know our content calendars and social dissemination to um, you know that loop for e-signature and contract management to all those things. So we're really, I would say, ahead of the curve on on tech. If anything, we need to reduce the amount of tech that we use for redundancy and overlap. I mean, I have my assistant tells me every time I come back from a conference, right, or a tech fair, I'm like, hey, I got these three new ideas. She goes, well, if you have three new ideas you want me to implement, you're going to have to get rid of nine. So like, it's like, you know, let's like reduce the amount of tech and try to streamline. We're going to focus on that too. Yeah. I think that's a great point. But I also think a lot of agents, especially on the back end, obviously the requirements because of the last recession, the requirements from bank and lenders have accelerated the amount of forms involved to get a final purchase or sell. Um, The amount of paperwork has just exploded and that's where technology can really help. Would you agree with that? I agree. I think you're right. Ways that we can streamline and do more with less, right? That whole idea of leverage is important. And I think some of these e-signature, e-filing, kind of remote document management platforms like a dot loop. You probably heard it. I mean, we use that. We love it. It's super, super easy to use. Really help things. It allows us to go paperless, be more mindful of the environment, get signatures quickly, execute and adapt and change contracts. Because as you know, in a tight market, time is of, es- of the essence, right? So speed to lead, that's important. But yeah, I think you're right, Jonathan, wherever you can find ways to do more with less, will help us be more efficient and will help the efficiency of the market too. Yeah, what do you reckon, Robert? Um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back around for a second because, again, I'm on his, his site and I've, I've, I'm kind of curious, Kier. Um, sure. You're using video a lot. You've got, you've got your professional aerial, aerial videos and you talked about – right now you just talked about um, – uh, changing your content strategy is what you were just talking about. And then focusing on COV 19 content. So we're, we're John and I both do different things. I'm, I'm like an SEO inbound marketer guy. So for my audience, the people that listen to me, we talk a lot about content, about answering people's questions before they have them. Yep. You just mentioned mission and drive and vision and things like that, which are, which are fancy marketing words, but they're not really, and, and I didn't mean, like, I'm not saying that in a negative way. They, it's just they don't specifically describe, like, what would you focus on first? Would you do some new videos? Would you post them on your blog? Like, sure. when you start saying you're going to do a message, like, exactly how are you going to do that? Yep. So, good question. So, that it's mostly video, off the cuff and produced. So, off the cuff, we do a lot of Facebook Lives and Instagram stories. So, on our, you know, website, it disseminates to that. We actually, I'll give you my process. So, We'll start with 
generally how we write blog posts is this. I'll do a 10-minute Facebook Live, right? We run it through a subscription service called Rev.com, which translates it into word for word. Probably heard of it. Yeah. Um, from then, we also get words added to the video. We'll put a logo on it, and then we'll upload that to YouTube and our website and to Instagram TV. So a 10-minute value-add content-driven message on a weekly basis that could be COVID-related, how to adapt your business, new technology we like, whatever the topic, turns into a blog post, several social posts. We cut up and pull quotes out for you know Instagram and other platforms. Provides, again, video com- uh, content and engagement on IGTV, Facebook, as well as YouTube. Um, and again, it takes us maybe 30 minutes from planning and thinking about it to recording it and then my team executing it. Maybe it takes them a little longer to, to package it all, maybe an hour, hour and a half. But um, th- the point of this is it doesn't take as long as some people may think. It's better to just get out there and do it. And it doesn't have to be produced. You don't have to have a studio or a budget. You can just get on this thing we call a phone, right? And just go live. Like you're going live right now. And if you have a good message, they can resonate and answer the questions, alleviate the fears, or motivate your audience and your ideal client, which are people who are following you and in your sphere, that instantly makes you a thought leader. You're out there doing this when a lot of people are retracting right now, scared, waiting for leaders to give them direction and inspiration. You, the agent, can be one of those people. Um, I know John probably has something, but I'm going to ask you one more question. I have other people. Uh, my, my, my start 13 years ago in real estate marketing was working for Agent Image, which dealt mostly with luxury real estate and still does, but I got out of it. I got, I got out of that side of the business about they did our They did our website, Robert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got out of that business about eight, eight years ago. So I don't do luxury anymore, but a lot of the people that I met still follow me and I talk to them. And, and so I, a certain yep. part of my audience is still luxury. Um, uh, I follow Christoph too. I don't think he follows me, but I follow him and yeah, um, he's, yeah he's amazing. So I'm curious though, because I've had sit down conversations with him and he's let me know that, that his social media presence is actually a big driver for his luxury business. He actually does business off social media. It's not just him posting videos with, and, and never seeing a return on that. I'm kind of curious, you're on a different coast. He's on the West coast. You're on the yeah. East coast. Is this social media presence that you're that you're nurturing, is it actually in a normal market, not right now, but in a normal market, does it generate you response from your desired audience? 100%, yeah. It didn't initially, but it does now, because mainly because we you know, consciously build our following. So we got, I don't know, 20, maybe 23,000 followers on Instagram, a couple thousand on Facebook. Um, when you add that together along with our mailing list of 10,000 email list, it does 100% produce, I would say, between five and 10 transactions a year. And then the referrals aside from that on top of it, which is other agents that follow me in my sphere that refer business to us, knowing that we're the expert in our area is another six to 12. So 100% six figure return on a free, largely free strategy of just producing content consistently that speaks to our audience. So if you're not doing that, consciously building your following by having a unique and differentiated content strategy, a unique aesthetic, and a unique brand message and storyline, you're missing out because it's a great inbound lead strategy that doesn't take a big budget, just takes some time and creativity. Well, I would also say that, that you are literally the vision that, that Google had when they established their acronym EAT, Expertise, Authority, and Trust. So mm-hmm. you are, you radiate 
confidence. So I'm going to suggest to our audience that, hey, if you've got a topic, and I've looked at your site, you obviously focus on on homes and secondary markets, mostly in New York. You seem to be very confident in the way that you present and talk about that particular niche. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to suggest to my audience, if you have something that you're confident about or you think you can get confident about, then that's what you want to be talking about as yes. a, like, like hundred percent for sure. Cause if and you radiate that confidence, you'll, you'll get people responding to you. Well, thank you for saying that Robert. And to build on that 100% advise and would counsel to, instead of going a mile wide, right? Go a mile deep on a niche, right? So pick an area that um, I teach my clients in my coaching business, sophisticated agent to um, identify their, target niche based on doing a couple exercises. But one is understanding what your strengths are and what your passion is in the business. What do you like to do? Do you like to work with buyers? Do you prefer sellers and marketing? What is your strength and skill set? And then find also um, the the intersection with a market need, right? Meaning where is their demand? And try to create a brand, a content strategy, and a message that can speak to that and be like very rightful focused on it and then build from there. Meaning don't try to be everything to everyone because you'd be nothing to no one, right? So you've got to identify a niche it could be first-time home buyers on the buy side when you're starting. You don't have a budget, but you have a network. Or if you have a budget, you want to target listings, focus on building a high-end portfolio where you could be, let's say, the lifestyle and destination expert for a certain area, right? And be that person, right? Become that person, you know? Step into that role and build confidence through the things that we're talking about here. So 100% agree with that. Have to identify a niche. Have to then build a content strategy that speaks to that ideal client avatar. Otherwise, you're not going to attract anybody. No, that's fantastic advice. We're going to have our break, folks, and when we come back, we're going to continue this fascinating discussion with one of the leading brokers and real estate agents in one of the biggest cities in the world, New York. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We've had a fascinating discussion in these very strange and difficult times. Yeah. Now, I come from London um, originally. I'm not a, a Nevada native, my beloved listeners and viewers. You know, the premier, one of the premier cities. And you started your career in one of the biggest cities like London. You know, it's an international city. So... What you were just saying before we went for our break, did you have to learn that the hard way that you needed to find a niche or did you understand that principle when you entered into the real estate market? Good question, Jonathan. I would say a little bit of both, meaning I didn't, you, you kind of don't know what you don't know, right? We've heard that saying, I didn't know much starting out. I just had a strong work ethic and a vision that I was going to do whatever I needed to do to commit to my vision, right? Persevere through the challenges and be successful. I had been through a lot as we touched on earlier in the call and I knew nothing could be as hard as what I had gone through. So I kind of found perspective in that. And what I did is I just got out there and literally just worked, meaning I did, I identified a couple of key skills that would be instrumental in setting up a foundation of success in this business. One was how to list high-end properties, meaning how to get in front of sellers and then how to convert them through persuasion, energy, 
and sales tactics, right, to become clients. And I did that through even basic means, meaning I was literally out there knocking on for sale by owner doors, trying to get a presentation. I was out there taking up print ads in local newspapers that looked different. I was out there doing social media videos and creating a following when none of the 30-year-old brokers in my market were doing that, right? So this was back in 2012, or sorry, 2013, 2014. And that stuff started to resonate because that was early in the curve of doing video-based and social content, right? Nobody was really doing it then. Nobody was also using technology to the way that I was, meaning I've had a drone and a Matterport camera since literally 2014 when they started to come out, but nobody was using them in real estate really until 2016. So we got ahead of the curve on that. So we were presenting properties in unique ways that was different and caught the eye of the market, you know, buyers and sellers. So I would say when you're starting out, like we just talked about, identify the niche, but then identify one or two skills that could really help you create a foundation and set yourself apart. Meaning don't try to be good at everything because you won't be. You got to wear a lot of hats in this business. Mm-hmm. Identify a couple of things that will really move the needle. And I'll tell you right now, that thing is listings, 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 listings. You got to find a way to get in front of sellers and then to convert them into listing clients. Because when you start to build a portfolio, right, of listings, whether it's any price point, segment, or area, that's what controls the market, right? That's what creates predictability and commissions. That's what produces generally one to three transactions on top of the listing sale, right, through unrepresented buyers, open houses, inbound leads, et cetera. And what people don't realize too is, instead of focusing on the buyers, which can be fickle and timeless on their purchase and search, uh, listings generally sell if they're priced right and marketed correctly. So the other thing is what's nice about listings is it markets you as the expert while you're marketing your listing. So it's kind of a win-win. So I would really focus on developing that muscle and that skill set. Wow. Over to you, Robert. No, no. It's, um, I've got, so, so I've been doing this a long time and I talked to a lot of real estate people. And in the search market, which is what I'm part of, we, we usually focus on buyers. Because to do what you're doing, which is focusing, like creating a real strong brand around expertise, which is one of the ways you get in touch with sellers, you get them before they're ready to go and they contact you because you're an expert. And then they say, this is what I want to do. And you say, I am the expert. I will package your product, which in this case is your home or your secondary home. But in order to get that person in the first place, you've got to have a fairly big microphone or you got to have a blog talking about all the things you can do to improve the home. Like it's, it's a bit, it's a long climb to get in front of those people and you're trying to get in front of them before they may even know that they have a need. Like, so it's interesting that you'd, that you'd call it out. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's also a piece of advice that I've got a, I've got a friend here who's long ago, independently wealthy off real estate and he only focuses on listings and he's got a whole system set up, like this massive marketing funnel, everything from, you know, mailers. But he focuses on two very select neighborhoods in the South Bay, where I'm at. And that's it. He doesn't touch anything else. But you go into these two neighborhoods and you'll see like eight of his signs, which yeah. if you're familiar with Southern California, that's, that's an almost impossible feat to yeah. achieve. And then the signs help him sell basically more people in the same neighborhood that I'm your guy. Like yeah. once you get those signs go anyway, I just, I found it to be very interesting. I haven't well, had a question in there, but and let, me, let me just piggyback on that, Robert. I think you identify an interesting point, which is focusing on the listing side, especially early 
takes a couple of things. One, to your point, a longer lead time. It's not like this, you know, you, you, you get out there, you do these things, and within a week or a month, you have listings. Two, it does take a little budget. So I was taking out credit on credit cards and a family loan to pay for some of my early marketing. I went into debt, $40,000 my first year. This is notable to tell. And I didn't sell one property my first year. Not one. I didn't have a dollar of income, but here's what I did that I considered the first year to be a success. I listed 30 properties and I had about 32 million in listed inventory. The 13th month, the first one sold and then it was off to the races. And we did 10 million in sales that second year and you know went from zero dollars to filing a tax return with one of the highest brackets. So it was like knowing that what I'm doing now will produce returns later, but you have to have a little bit of an appetite for delayed gratification. And you're going to have to have a little bit of a budget, right? And some patience to focus on the listing side. So what I would say to that, if you don't have either of those in plentitude, I would focus on the buy side to your point in strategy while you're doing that a little bit, right? But at least you can, in your network with people, you know, family members, acquaintances, friends, family, right? All those people know people, right? Who are buying and selling real estate. So work the network, which is low budget, right? Low cost while you're building your brand and your expertise out. If you don't have what I just said, budget and patience. I'm kind of curious. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Yo, please. I've been talking. Well, it's just, unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to watch the time a bit because uh, you, you need to be off at four. Um, but, um, I actually have to bolt too. Um, but what, what I'll say, and I don't normally say this, is I found with some very successful agents, they can become extremely arrogant and they can become a bit really very wacky. Yeah. Um, I don't sense that at all. We've never met before. What I sense from you is determination. That's what I sense from you, a very strong, practical individual, but very determined. So do you think that, that what that you know, when people want to work with you directly, that's what appeals because they want somebody who's down to earth but determined to act for them? I think that's a great point you touched on because you're to your point, a lot of the agents I see that rise to the top 10% or 5% in the market, sometimes it does go to their head and that ego becomes how they lead in market, right? It's all about them, not about the clients and the results. And I've, I'm guilty of this too. That happened initially too when I went from like a nobody to like the top agent in my company out of 100 agents and one of the top in my market, right? And I had all this money where I had none before. However, I checked that due to a couple of things. One, a mentor, one, getting self-reflective and one realizing that, hey, I'm not owed anything at any point. This could evaporate. And I started to shift the focus back on the results. So I marketed results and service, not myself. Myself was the messenger, right, of results and service, but I tried to keep a check on that. And I think that's an ongoing thing because when success begets success, right, and it can also beget, um, and, and it can bring upon Confidence, which is positive, but if you let that go unchecked, it becomes arrogance, right? Which is negative. So confidence is important. I think a lot of people saw strength in my turnaround story and saw my personal brand, if you will, being one like my personal brand statement is commit relentlessly to your vision, be flexible on your means, persevere through the challenges, and create a life of freedom and abundance. And that's what I've done in my life, and that's what I do for my clients in a way, right? So I think they like that that determination, that vision. But to your point, you've got to keep the ego in check 100%.
That's fantastic. So how can people find out more about you and your company and what and your own thoughts? Sure. Well, um, well we're actually, uh, the best place would probably be my personal website, which is kierweimer.com, K-E-I-R-W-E-I-M-E-R.com. Um, also, sophisticatedagent.com is our uh, coaching um, and education platform. We are offering now, Jonathan and Robert, if that's of any value to your uh, readers, uh, free strategy and discovery calls where we're just helping people, agents like your audience, just talk about ways to adapt, pivot, and position for success in the future, given COVID and what's going on right now. Um, so, you know, that might be a way to connect. We have a lot of free resources on our website. We put out stuff regularly on our blog, on our social media. Again, all the handles are just my name, Kier Weimer. Uh, we have a lot of free stuff. We're all about adding value and supporting agents. And obviously there's other ways that we can work, you know, too beyond that. But um, that's, I'm you know grateful to be on the show. Robert, I know you had another question or statement. I'd love to answer that too. Um, actually, I, I did, but we're running out of time. So what I'd like to suggest here and, and use this, to, I'm not offended if you don't respond, but I'm going to find your Facebook somehow on here. I was just looking for right now. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to be my friend, but if you accept, I'm going to invite you to a private marketing group where I have right. like, some of my top flight, like marketing professionals and clients and things like that. And what we do is we just talk about marketing right now. We're talking a lot about where I'm talking mostly. They're not talking much, but anyway, we can talk more there if you just yeah. accept the invitation. Of course I will. I'd love to. And if uh, Jonathan, if you have anything either, you know, if you want to. Oh, I don't normally say this, but hopefully later on in the year, you, um, you decide to come back on the show because I yeah. think um, the half hour has gone quick and we've only scratched the surface on your experience and your personal story. So we're going to wrap up the show now, folks. I've got some great benefit listening um, to this show. Hopefully you will do. And we'll be back with another great guest or an internal discussion next week, folks. See you soon. Bye. Thank you.